Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to get you to turn to a couple of, a couple. I've got so much, I don't even know if we're going to get through all of it, but that's okay. You're going to believe with me this morning, right? Matthew chapter 6, John chapter 15, and then Luke chapter 9. Matthew chapter 6, John chapter 15, and Luke chapter 9. We may or may not go in that order. Thank you, Lord. Matthew chapter 6, John chapter, just start with those two, Matthew 6 and John 15. We'll get to Luke chapter 9 maybe later. So, <clears throat> we're, last week we talked about how that this week we're going to begin opening up vision. What, what's our vision? And we started with Jesus' vision. That he came to seek and save that which were lost. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. We started with that. But this morning, it's almost as if I want to take a step back. And before you could talk about vision, you got to talk about the big vision. you got to talk about the big picture. And in Matthew chapter 6, I love this passage. And we've all seen it before. We've all read it before. But what does it really mean? Verse 25, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Easier said than done, right? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor, nor, gather, nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you by worrying can add a single cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, but your heavenly Father knows what you have need of in all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. How many of you have ever wondered what that really means? Seek first. See, when you live in a mentality of religious law when you live in a when we come and we've come we're coming out of that as a body of Christ but we've been stuck in that in that we think that we have to do these certain things before we receive these certain things the old testament was about doing the new testament is about receiving the old testament was about living your life in a conduct that is worthy, the problem is you can't do that. He proved that in Romans chapter 8. He said that the, the law was given as a teacher, as a tutor. You and I can't do that. But what does it really mean to seek first the kingdom of God? I mean, my gosh, what does that mean? Does that mean I need to be evangelizing every day? I mean, do I need to be... I, I, I grew up, I came up out of a Pentecostal, non-denominational uh, background, but even in that background, there were still things that were sown into me that if I didn't do certain things, I wouldn't receive these other things. 
It was never predicated upon, we talked about the blood of Jesus, we talked about the blood of Jesus, and we pleaded the blood of Jesus, but we didn't really understand what the blood of Jesus covered. So when something would happen, you'd fall back into, oh, well, I didn't plead the blood of Jesus enough. I'm going to come up this time. I didn't plead the blood of Jesus enough. I didn't say it loud enough. I didn't have the right oil. I had Wesson instead of olive oil. <laughs> I had Crisco. God doesn't anoint Crisco. He only anoints the olive oil from Jerusalem. Do you understand, the con- you understand what I'm saying? We get caught up in all that. And Jesus, Jesus came and he was like, listen, the very thing that I give you to serve you is the very thing that you're a slave to. When they came to Jesus and they said, the Sabbath, your disciples are healing on the Sabbath. He was like, does the Sabbath serve you or do you serve the Sabbath? Because that's the difference between law and grace. That's the difference. When you talk about vision, you have to be careful because if you don't set the platform and the stage and the foundation, you'll switch over into doing something rather than just being something. You'll switch over into, okay, uh, One Love City Church, the vision, okay, I got to make sure, okay, you get up and you say, okay, first thing I got to do is this, and the second thing I got to do is this, and then I got to do this, and Lord knows if I don't share the gospel, if I don't talk to somebody, then I won't be accepted, and if I don't come to church, then, then that means I'm, I'm, a sla- I'm a slacker, and if I don't pay my tithes, then that means, do you understand how you can get caught up in all that religiousness, and it doesn't produce life, it produces death. So he said, seek first the kingdom of God. What does that mean? We'll go over to Luke chapter 15, John chapter 15. John chapter 15. We got to be real careful. I'm going to try to get this out the best way that I can, but it is, it's been in me. It's something that anytime you look to yourself from a performance standpoint, you put yourself under the law and under bondage. You cannot. The kingdom of God is not about performance. It's not about performance. It's about you've been made perfection in Him. The performance is not about you doing something. It's about us. It's about us receiving something. Come on, are, 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 you, are, you, are you hooking your faith up with me so I can get it out? I'm trying to say something. I'm trying to say not necessarily different, but I'm trying to articulate it in a different way. If we're not careful, we'll look at somebody and go, you're not seeking first the kingdom of God. What does that even look like? Well, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? I'm, uh, what, what was that song off the uh, Wizard of Oz, the lollipop kid? The lollip- what does that mean? We're skipping around the road. What does that mean? What does that look like? Seek ye first the kingdom of What does that look like? Did you read your Bible this morning? No. Well, then you ain't seeking first the kingdom of God. What? What does that mean? Vision. Something you see. It's far. It's, it's something you put before you that drives you. 
my people perish for a lack of knowledge or a lack of vision. You don't understand these things, and I see Christians every day perishing and going away. I see people who are called by God, anointed and gifted, and don't want to come to, don't want to do nothing. Why? Because they've been beat down so much because there's no freedom. This morning, nobody forced them to come up. Nobody forced the atmosphere. It was something that God was pleased with. They don't even know what I was talking about this morning, but they flowing in it. Your praise, you, if, you don't understand, if you don't understand what it means to seek you first the kingdom of God, then when it comes time to praise God, we won't praise him because we don't understand what we're praising. Am I praising him because of what he's going to do for me if I do this? Or am I praising him because of what he's already done for me? And if you don't know what he's already done for you, then how can you expect somebody to praise him? Well, you come to church, you should praise the Lord. Wait a minute, hang on. Judgmental society, we don't even know if they understand what God has done for them. The Bible says that it's not preaching hellfire and brimstone. The Bible says that it's not the preaching of the gospel. It's not the declaring of the gospel. The Bible says that it is the goodness of God. Every time I see Jesus encountering somebody who wasn't born again, who, didn't, who wasn't religious, he would always meet their need and absolutely explode them with grace, and then they would follow him. The only time people didn't follow him was when they were bound up in what they could do and they, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, look at what I've done. And he said, you lack one thing. It wasn't about money because he didn't say the same thing to Nicodemus and he didn't say the same thing to the woman at the well. What was it about? It was about lordship. How can we declare to people, do you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life when they don't even know who Jesus is? When we, listen, when we don't even know who Jesus is. It boggles my mind why people don't want to follow Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit said, because they don't know me like you do. Okay, I apologize. Dear Lord Jesus. That's what your job is, son. That's what he says to me. Your job is to be that expression. What's the vision of One Love City Church? We are to be that expression of love. You can't express something you don't know. You can't express something you haven't experienced. All of us have experienced love, the kind of love that you didn't have to do. Your mama loves you. Your daddy loved you. Maybe you didn't have a mama or a daddy. You got somebody that you could point in life that loved you unconditionally. If we're going to step into, if we're going to step into something that drives us, that motivates us, we've got to get some foundational things correct. And if we're going to say, seek ye first the kingdom of God, then we best understand what that means. John chapter 15, you ready? Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, in me, underline that, in me, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now listen, when I read these next verses, you're going to have to take your old hellfire and brimstone mentality and throw it out. Don't listen to this. Because it sounds worse than it actually is because we've been taught and sown and preached the wrong thing. You understand what I'm saying? Listen to what I'm saying. Don't read this. Don't listen to this through the eyes of what you've been taught. Ask the Lord for a new vision, a new insight, okay? He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, 
and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Go to the next one. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that stays in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and it is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done. Now listen to me. Jesus, Jesus' ministry was predicated on the bringing together of the old covenant, fulfilling the old covenant, and making a new one. So in that transitional period, there were some things that he said that you could not necessarily understand without him saying them the same way. Jesus said, I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. He who abides in me. They didn't understand. That all they understood was walking with Jesus and talking with Jesus and abiding with him. But he was telling that to us because we have the New Testament. We know that he said the Holy Spirit's going to come and he will what? Abide in you and be with you and not just be over you and around you, but he will live in you. He was foreshadowing something that you and I get to partake in. And the religious, the demonic always tries to strip away at what Jesus has already done. You want to find out if somebody's religious, give someone unexplainable, extravagant grace, and you'll find out what somebody is. Jesus demonstrated that, and it infuriated people. Why? Because he was about the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. He was about getting over to them an idea the kingdom of God is not meat or drink. What is it? It's about abiding. Listen to me. It's about abiding in him. When's the last time you walked out to a farm where they grow grapes or apples, and you walked into the field, and you go out there, and you listen, in, and you hear the trees and the vines going, Come, grapes, cometh in the name of Jesus. Apples, come. When's the last time you saw someone pregnant with child walk around with a belly full of a child going, ooh, child, in the name I call you for it. No, it's going to come one way or the other. You don't have to strain to get. It's going to just come. You don't have to strain for your children to grow. What do they naturally do? They grow. Sometimes you wish they would stay little. Will you stay little? My little boo-boo bear, 12 years old. Sometimes I want to be like, get smaller, scrunch up so I can hold you in the rocking chair. She don't strain to grow. I just wake up and I go, where did you come from? You look like your mama. And that's not acceptable. Because your mama, she's not here this morning. She'd get on to me. But she doesn't strain to grow. What does she do? She just grows. Even if you don't feed her, even if you don't nourish her, even if you try to stunt growth, it's still going to happen. Listen, the fruit that you and I are looking for in our life doesn't come by a to-do list of things we've done. It comes by one thing and one thing only, abiding in Him. Listen, when you feel the need, not the need for speed. Come on, Tom Cruise. 
Top Gun fans. When you feel the need to try to produce something, you need to stop what you're doing and you need to make sure you're abiding in Him. This is the posture. This is it. The world doesn't like this and religion doesn't like this. Why? Because it looks like you're not doing nothing. Oh, you're doing everything you need to do. Abiding in Him. Well, what if I've missed it? <laughs> then you need to abide in Him. Because He said, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. The byproduct of abiding in Him is fruit, increase. I love this story. Because this is what he is, this is an invitation. Listen to me. This is an invitation into fruitfulness. You want to be fruitful? Then get your butt right over there. Abide in him. Because abiding in him will give you all the things that you need to do when you and I abide. You can't abide in him and not do something. You can't abide in him and not do something. Because if you're around him and you're abiding in him, then what's in him is going to get off what's in you because you're in him and he's in you. Then it's going to get all out. And it's going to cause one of two things. You either are going to accept it and, and embrace it and acknowledge it and walk towards it or you're going to stop abiding in him because it's too great of a pressure. The people that I know in my life, the people that I've known for years, the ones that struggle the most, with whatever you want to say, are the ones that have lost sight of that right there. You got an addiction problem? Get your butt right there. That's what you need to do. You got a problem with finances? Stay right there. They're abiding in Him. See, part of abiding in Him is abiding together. Luke chapter 9. We'll come back to this one. Luke chapter 9. Jesus, this is an amazing story too. Jesus, in Luke chapter 9, He sends them out. He sends the 12 out. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and the cursed diseases. Not all power in heaven and earth like he did when he rose from the dead and he gave us that authority when he left. This is different. This isn't all authority. This is just some. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So he takes his 12 men and he says, okay, I've been with you. Boom, I anoint you. I'm giving you power to count. They'd seen Jesus do it. They'd seen Jesus heal people. He said, now I'm sending you out. So they're sent out and they go. Now go to chapter, go to verse 40, go to verse 46. <coughs> then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. Now picture this. He sends them out, and then they start arguing about who's the greatest. You don't argue, listen to me, you don't argue about who's the greatest unless you've got something to argue about. Jesus sends them out, empowers them. I don't even know, it's not recorded, you don't know it, but I wonder, I want to ask the Lord when I get to heaven, what was it that they did that gave them the foundation to argue about who's the greatest? Because if you're not producing something, if you're not increasing in your life, you don't have nothing to argue about. I mean, like, what you argue about? You're just as broke as I am. Right? There was something that happened. There's things that can only happen in your life when you abide in Him. There's, there's a, this is what I wrote down. Okay? Some things in your heart will not be dialed up by weakness and failure. Some things will only come through the success that happens from abiding in Him. 
God's not interested in you failing. I'm, a, I'm on a journey to absolutely remove failure from my vocabulary. Thank you. I want us to be on a journey where we absolutely refuse where failure is not an option. How can we fail if we stay right here? Even if we miss it, we abide in Him, He covers it, and we still didn't fail. He says He turns all things to our good. Failure is something the enemy uses to try to discourage us from not even getting started in the process because you know you're going to fail anyway. So why even start? Do you see? There's something inside of us that God's trying to do, that God has put in us, that only come forward when we abide in Him. It doesn't make no difference what the vision is. If we're not abiding in Him, we just become mechanical about producing something that we don't even know why producing. But if we abide in Him and His words abide in us, then now we begin to see fruitfulness in our life. I see fruitfulness in my life. I don't see the degree of fruitfulness that I would like, but I see fruitfulness in my life. I see things that I used to struggle with that I don't struggle with no more. Why? Because I got so big in faith that now I can just say, mm, uh, you speak to that mountain and that thing's gone. No, you abide in Him and you realize that if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, what are you believing for? See, when you abide in Him, your problem gets smaller and He gets bigger. And then, listen to me, so he's th th this is the whole point. So He sends them to their own hometown. How many of you know the hardest place to minister is to your family? Okay, I got a witness on that one. The hardest people to minister to is what? Your family first and then your hometown. Oh, I know what you did. I grew up with you, Robert. I remember what kind of craziness you did. Oh, come on, Russell. You act like you all saved and sanctified, but I remember you. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, come on, Jesus. The carpenter. What you going to do? The hardest place to minister is to the people that, are most, that have been most familiar with your hometown, your family. But they must have done something because they didn't come back discouraged. They came back and they started fussing. See, there's certain things that we learn. If we can minister to the people that are the hardest to minister to, then we will learn to minister out of obedience and not applause. Day in, day out, the people that you're around, the people that you associate with, even you look, look around at your Christian, your, your family, your brothers and sisters. If we can minister one to another and minister to the people that are around us and they don't applaud us because they know us, they remembered us when we cussed last week because we got aggravated, but yet they see something in us and we're able to minister to them, we're able to, to love on them, we're able to manifest the tangible presence and an expression and a miracle in their life, they will listen to us. If we can do that when there's no applause, then we'll be able to do it no matter what. See, that abiding in Him puts us in a place where You may not like this, so this comes with a warning label, a spiritual nutrition warning label. 
I have to get to a place where what I say and what I do is not dictated by your response. Because if I do that, then you're able, the, the enemy's able to manipulate what God wants to say as a result of what you do, even if you don't show up. There's a mandate upon all of our lives to speak what God has said for us to speak. In love, I understand that. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not talking about beating somebody over the head and just being mean and rude. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being kind, being gentle, walking in love. Jesus never corrected till he connected. And even when Jesus did correct, he corrected in private. He didn't pull all the disciples. Yeah, y'all gather around to the boat. You know, Peter did good walking out of the water. What'd you do, fool? Look at all these. Why didn't you do it? No, he didn't do it. He did it in private. There's some things that God's going to say to you that only to you. You don't need to tell anybody else. But, but there's, there's something that happens when you and I begin to attach, listen to me, our fruitfulness and our success to other people, then we've lost the ball game. We have. Jesus Jesus, <laughs> Jesus said, unless you drink my blood and eat my body, he was having a blowout service. And it, the Bible says that they left by the droves. And Jesus goes, oh, God, what did I do? Lord, did I miss it? Lord, did I? No, no, no. He turns to his disciples, the ones closest to him, and he goes, are you going to leave me too? And Peter, who always had foot and mouth syndrome, Peter goes, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? You cannot tie your significance to anything else other than him. It's got to be abiding in him. And I'm not saying that I've arrived to that place, being in the position and being seeing the things and doing the things that I've done, but I'm telling you that there was something that was not taught to me that I'm learning by the Holy Spirit, and that is in our everyday life. We cannot, my success, your success cannot be dictated or determined by your surroundings. It's got to be dictated and determined by him. You rise up from this place of abiding in Him and you say, mm, I am a success. I am a success. One of my favorite instructors, Mark Redman at Rama, every time he would say, hold this up. He said, this is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is a lamp to my feet. He said, I believe everything it says. I believe I'm sanctified, whole. I am a success. Listen, going somewhere to happen. The apple tree doesn't go, I'm going to be successful this year and I'm going to produce apples. No, it just produces apples. What happens when it doesn't produce? It's because it's not abiding in the right environment. Now that I preach. Are you and I in the right environment? I'm trying to get you to see something. That before we move forward... Before we do anything concerning the kingdom of God, we've got to recognize, wait a minute, I am significant, period. I would drop the mic, but it'd be too expensive. One of the most, one of the most fundamental things that the Lord ever spoke to me was when I was involved with a ministry that was very legalistic. 
You had to do the right things, say the right things, or else you wouldn't measure up. And everything was predicated upon what you did. Did you do your quiet time? Did you do 30 minutes or 15 minutes? Because you know you ain't going to be a sanctified if you only did 15 minutes. You understand what I'm saying? Did you memorize your scriptures? No. I mean, everything was all about what you did or did not do. Did you spend time with me? Did you spend time with me? Did you spend time with me? No, I didn't. I mean, I, got, I was late. I had to do this, and I was tired, blah, blah, blah. And I remember, and I grew up in all this, and I remember the Holy Spirit said, Son, listen to me. Because I figured sometimes the Holy Spirit will have enough of people throwing condemnation on you. And the Holy Spirit spoke up to me. I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. And he said, Son, I want you to understand something. Develop a consciousness that I'm with you all the time. I'm not trying to be crass, but when I go to the bathroom, I'm spending time with Jesus. When I take a shower, I'm with Jesus. When I go to work, I'm with Jesus. You don't, you don't, get, the, you don't, get, the, you don't get to do this and leave Jesus. You just sit right here. I'm going to the party. Jesus is coming with you. Why? Because he's in you. I mean, once you're born again, you ruin it. You might as well just, you're never going to be able to party like you used to. But the second thing, the second thing was a year, a little over a year ago, I heard a message, and I heard somebody say something about taking, they were going on a trip, and they asked the Holy Spirit, he asked Jesus, said, Jesus, will you ride with me? I was like, hmm. We're not asking him, we're making ourselves aware of what's in our, of what's in our, of what's in our pocket, of what's in us, is what I'm talking about. And last year, I was riding and I said, Jesus, why don't you just come ride with me today? I was working. It was one of those things where you're just monotonous, just doing stuff, you know, where you just you can just do it and you think about all kind of stuff. And I said, why don't you come ride with me? And you know what he did? He started talking to me. I don't mean, and I hear the voice. I mean, I listen to him all the time. But I'm saying there was something that transpired, and he began to say, all right, listen, you remember this? This is why I'm doing this. And I was like, man, that's good. Right. And then, well, what about this? And he said, no, nah, don't worry about that. I got that. And we talked, and we talked, and we talked. We talked for hours, and I wrote it down. I journaled it. And when I got done, I got in the truck, and he goes, listen, thank you for letting me ride along with you today. In other words, he was saying, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, he said, thank you for being conscious that I'm with you. I told you that years ago, and now you're walking in it. And to this day, I mean, I wake up every morning. Even when I go into the heat of battle, even when I'm, when I'm doing things that I can't, even right now, in this moment, I'm sitting here and I'm going, all right, what are we saying next? Because they looking at me like sometimes, and he was like, no, nah, I don't use that analogy. Use this analogy. Don't say that. Say this. The whole time I'm talking to you, I ain't talking to you. I mean, I'm talking to you, but I'm going, what are you, what's, what's he saying? I'm trying to sense what direction are we going because we're out of time. What direction are we going? What are we going to say? Listen to me. He wants to be involved in your life every single minute, every single day, every single decision. It doesn't even really matter what the vision, what, if you don't get this, that becomes work. It becomes something you try to produce rather than something that's just produced out of you as a result of abiding in Him. I don't know about you, but I just want to abide in Him. I'm not talking about crazy Christians that go, it's just me and Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. 
Because, listen, you can't get around Jesus and not be wanting to share something because Jesus is going to produce something in you called sharing your faith. And you all look at me sometimes. You, I wish you could see what I see when I stand up here. Because sometimes y'all go, mm, that's right, but you ain't telling me. You know exactly what I'm talking about when you're in the line at the grocery store and you hear, overhear a conversation and the Holy Spirit says, pray for her. And you go, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I don't know what that is. Why? Because you're about it. You're like, man, I've been going, I've been reading, I've been studying. Me and Jesus, we've been having all these worship services. You go in your car and you drive home and the Holy Spirit falls. And you drive up in your driveway and you don't even know how you got there. And you're like, yes. And you get out of your car and you see your neighbor crying and you go, bless that sister in the name of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit goes, what are you doing? And you go, oh no, I, I want to go take a nap because church has been long. Pastor done went over. You all know what I'm talking about. But when you abide in Him, it does something. It produces something in you. And I'm saying, get up out that place right there. Get up out of that abiding in Him and say, you know what? I've got it in me. And when you walk, no matter where you go today, no matter where you go this week, you say in the name of Jesus, I am a success going somewhere to happen. I'm not trying to find out. I know because I abide in Him. What does that mean to abide in Him? You're thinking about Him. You're talking to Him. You Just talk to Him. How do you call, when Langston and I talk on the phone, he doesn't go, may I speak to the, you know, senior lead? No, he doesn't. He goes, hey, pastor, brother, whatever. We start talking. We start, we start ministering one to another, not from a position of we got to, but we get to. Wake up in the morning. When you get in the car, say, all right, we're going home. I just wanted to. I'm just, I'm just being a doer of what the pastor done said. You riding with me today, right, Jesus? And he'll go, that's right, I got you. He'll talk to you. Won't he? Come on, Granny. Won't he talk to you? I mean, he'll talk to you like only you can talk to you all the time. I remember Papa Bill telling me all the time. He'll say, son. He said that to me, too. I mean, I've done some, I've said stuff. And the Holy Spirit goes, have you lost your mind? And I go, what do you mean? You don't talk to her like that. Are you crazy? Not only does it not please me, but you know how she is. <laughs> and he talks to her the same way. Now, why'd you go and say that to him? You know, and she'll come and we'll. I've had him arrest me and go, don't talk to her like that. To her. I'm like, well, I'm her daddy. He goes, no, I'm her daddy. That only, you only do that once. You're right. You go back and, sweetheart, I apologize for you misunderstanding what I said. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit, listen, and the Holy Spirit goes, you know what I'm talking you can become so intimate with him that he ain't got to say nothing. You just know he's looking at you in the spirit because you see him. And he goes, really? I've had the Holy Spirit say, I know I'm going long and we're close. I've had the Holy Spirit, I'd be riding around thinking about something, thinking about something, and it's just weighing on me, weighing on me. And the Holy Spirit come up and he'll bump up to me and he'll go, why are you thinking about that? Well, because we got this and that. And you act like I can't make something happen in the next five minutes. All right, you right. How much of the stuff do we think about that we don't even need to think about? Because we're not abiding in Him, we're abiding in our problem. 
I mean, Matthew chapter, if we're just going to stick with Matthew chapter 6, don't even worry about tomorrow. I mean, if you're going to worry about anything, don't worry about tomorrow. If you're going to worry about something, worry about today. And really, if you want to take it a step further, tomorrow is not just tomorrow day, but it's the next minute and the next minute. Why are you going to worry about something 10 minutes from now? You may not even be there 10 minutes from now. Well, you know, somebody might ask me to go out to eat, and I ain't got enough money. Why are you even worried about that? Man, that was for somebody. You know how many times people have asked me in times past to go out and eat? Oh, I ain't got no money. And the Holy Spirit said, that's all right, I got you. Okay. That takes faith. Because you're like, well, I'm going to sit down and eat. I don't have anything to pay for it. And then somehow, some way, somebody buys the meal, pays for it, takes care of it. I'm not saying you do crazy stuff, but I'm saying do crazy stuff. Anything that you do, I'm going to close with this. Come on, stand up. Anything that you do concerning the kingdom of God, when you abide in Him, I'm just going to go ahead and warn you, when you abide in Him, He will tell you and show you and reveal things to you, and people will say, you crazy. And there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. There is. You get that input. But there comes a place where... The resounding word of the Lord within you comes from that place, not from something you read, not from something you heard, but because you've been in this place and he's been massaging that word in you and it's like, I just, I just know. It comes from that abiding in him. Listen to him, I'll read it one more time. If, he, if, if, I, if you abide in me, in my words, abide in you, you will ask, Whatever you desire. But see, that comes after the abiding in Him. Because if you abide, well, what about you can't trust yourself? You can't trust your flesh, but you can trust your heart. Because the Bible says that He's given us a new heart, a new spirit. You're abiding, you're submitting yourself to Him. You're lining yourself up with Him. He's not going to lead you to do something that's detrimental to your life, to your family, or whatever. He's going to do, and He's going to confirm it with signs following. If you abide in Him, and you're abiding, and you're abiding, and you're meditating, and you're praying, and you're just having that conversation with Him, I mean, all the time. Come on, I'm trying to get you to see something before we close. You're abiding in Him, and you're just like, Lord, thank you. I'm just riding around, and you're just talking, Lord, what should I do about this bill? I mean, I got $50 in my checking account, and I got this $25 bill, and this $50 bill, and that $70 bill. I mean, you know, a bill, not bills, but a bill. And he goes, why don't you tell you? And this is what he'll do. And you just get quiet. If you're just asking, all right, what you want me to do? And he'll say, pay this one. Don't worry about this one. I'll take care of that. And something else. And you go out to, and you do that. And then you walk away from that encounter with God, and you rejoice, and you go right back to abiding in Him. And you listen, and He's talking to you, and He's ministering to you. And then you'll notice that inner witness, something to, something to happen. And He'll tell you something. Then before you know it, He'll start providing. I mean, I can't tell you how many countless times that's happened. Listen to me. That's what the world is looking for from you. They're not looking for it just from me. They're looking for it from you and from you. They're looking, the world is crying out for a people that will manifest something. And you can't manifest something that you don't experience. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for manifesting yourself to us 
Thank you, Lord, for that as we abide in you, the number one thing that you came to do through Jesus was reveal yourself, inviting us into an encounter with you, inviting us into intimacy with you, inviting us into a habitation, a place of life where we live and breathe and have our being in you and nothing else. We rest in that fact this morning. Today we do that. When we determine that we're going to abide in you, Man, your joy, your joy, your joy will overflow us because we decide to abide in you. We don't abide in the joy or the approval or the applause or even the negativity of others. We abide in you and you alone. In Jesus' name, we do that. And Lord, I thank you that as we do, you flood us with that sense of righteousness that nothing we do can separate us from you. Peace. That peace that passes all understanding. We're in the midst of the storm and we have a peace. And the last bit is joy in the Holy Ghost. Not, not happiness because our circumstances, but joy in the Holy Spirit where we know that no matter what happens, you can change it. It will change in an instant, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Our joy rests in you. Come on. Our joy rests in you. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit through abiding in your presence. We thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Some of you are going to leave this place and you are going to experience something that you've never experienced before. It's going to be the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a tangible manifestation, a recognition of a, manif a confirmation of this word in your life right now in Jesus name you're going to tangibly feel it and sense it you can't describe it you can't articulate it but you know it because he's with you he's in you and he leads us and he guides us that's what I want you to focus on just abide in him that's what we're going to do. We're just going to abide in Him. Well, what about this? And what about that? we got to do this. And no, 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 no. We're going to abide in Him. That's what we're going to do. Because out of that will flow everything else. We're going to abide in Him. Listen to me. We're going to abide together. Together we're going to do this. When we come together and we gather together on when, you know, the One Life groups have already kicked back off, that's what we're doing, abiding together. Don't try to make it something that's not. We're just abiding together. We're going to listen to the Holy Spirit. Some may bring a song. Some may bring a hymn. Some may bring a word. But we're going to abide together. We're not trying to produce something. We're just trying to be. We're just going to be something. And out of that life will come fruit that much, not just fruit, much fruit. He's pruning us. God always rewards fruitfulness with pruning. So the disciples, and I'll close with this, I promise. So the disciples, they do all this, they're arguing, and he goes, what y'all talking about? As if he didn't know. What y'all talking about? And they said, well, we're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And he said, you see this little child right here? He's pruning us. You see this little child right here? You focused about all that. Focus on this. That's who's going to inherit the kingdom of God. The greatest? He who desires to be the greatest will be the least. 
And he who is the least will be the greatest. That's how the kingdom works. That's why you abide in this. That's why you don't, that's why he said, I know you experienced success. I know you had some things going on, but don't let that manifest itself. Because that right there is not going to bear fruit. So he trims it. Don't get, so he's done that to me. Don't get your significance from them. Don't get your significance as a man, as men. We derive our significance from what we do or what we accomplish. And the Lord started trimming that off me years ago. You can't do that. You've got to derive your significance from me. Women, you can't derive your significance from a man. You derive your significance from the man. He knows how to get your husband straight. Well, you don't understand my husband. You don't understand him. God will wake that man up in the middle of the night and say, let my people go. He did it with Pharaoh. You don't think he can't do it with your husband? You don't think he can't do it with your wife? Husbands, cover your wife. Don't expose her. Pray for her. If you're single, he's your husband. He's your wife. Cover that situation. And out of that, listen, stop trying to work it. Work him. Work that. I'm serious. I'm serious as I can be. I mean, I'm just going to be like, mm -mm, I'm going to sit right here and I'm going to abide with you. Well, we got all this stuff going on. I'm going to abide with you right here. This is where I'm at. This is where I stay. Right here. When he tells me to do something, when he tells us, don't worry. When he tells us to do something, we'll all hear it. Because you'll be like, man, I heard that too. And I heard that. And I heard that. Well, maybe that's probably because we should do it. We're looking at a building. We've looked at two buildings. Listen to me. We've looked at two buildings that we can pay cash for right now. But we can't. Because they won't let us go downtown. They. But who are they? I said, I said, I sent him a text. I said, there's a church across the street from the building that we're looking at. And it don't look like a church building. That's why I like it. Everybody that we've taken to see, they like it. But you can't do it. Because the ordinance won't let a civic or a religious organization be downtown. And we was like, well, there's one across the street. And the guy goes, yeah, but that was grandfathered in. And Langston goes, oh, you don't know my father. My father's bigger than your grandfather. But listen, we try to make it happen. We try to work it. Mm -mm, no, I'm going to stay right here. Mm -mm, I'm going to stay right here. Lord, what you want us to do. Listen, the building's important. I, I agree. I want to be. I, I think it'd be great for us not to have to tear down and set up. I think it'd be great to have a place to call our own that we could host and have. I got stuff planned for the whole year. I got three major speakers coming in. I got Brother Norman. I got my pastor, Pastor Andy, and I got one more coming at the end of the uh, towards the end of the summer. Brother Jim Hockaday, one of my instructors. I got three people coming in. We gotta have them here or somebody's house. My wife, because I'm abiding right here. I'm abiding right here. He'll tell us. He'll show us. But if we don't get this right, what difference is a building going to make? So we got out of debt so we could get back into not necessarily debt, 
but into something that we had to serve. No, no, no. He's got us. He's got us right here. We're going to abide with him. Father, we abide in you, and we trust you for our future. In the name of Jesus, we trust you. The doors that are shut, you'll open. The doors that aren't open, you'll close. The ones that need, you will lead us. You will guide us. Come on, hook your faith up. We release it. We abide in you to show us in the name of Jesus. And now, Lord, as we go, I thank you that you go with us. You're in us. You lead us. You guide us. You show us things. I thank you, Lord, for favor. I thank you for, for favor beyond measure for all of us as we leave this place. And I thank you for doors of opportunity, not only to minister, but for your manifest expression of your love to come forth in our lives and all of us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Listen, you are dismissed. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of the afternoon. Relax. Abide in Him.